Well, guess what? Today, we are back in our series, consecutive expository series that I've subtitled, Seeing Jesus Together in the Gospel of Luke. One of the synoptic gospels, and Luke uh, is one of my absolute favorites, um, and uh, we are going to be returning today to the, uh, we're getting into the beginning of the 8th eighth chapter, uh, 7 we've already covered, uh, last, uh, last half of last year, and now we are returning to this series today in our scripture reading, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Once again, I remind you. This is not the word of men, but the word of the living God. Hear it with appreciation and careful attention. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, People from town after town came to him, and he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And the one along the path, the ones along the path are those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns... They are those who hear, but as those, 
forth. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word of God, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The grass withers, flower fades, but God's word always remains. Let's ask his blessing on it. Father, we have read your word, but we still need light and enlightenment in order to understand, Father, what it means to be one of yours. Father, there are so many ways that do not lead to life. Father, show us the light and life through our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we're where we left off, as I've already mentioned. And Jesus' ministry and teaching, of, uh, ministry of teaching and healing, continued to just light up the Galilee and all of the surrounding regions. Jesus was running into opposition by the various religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers and scribes of the law. And particularly the Pharisees became increasingly threatened by Jesus, this traveling itinerant rabbi. Why? <laughs> because Jesus was, as I said before, sucking all of the oxygen, the spiritual oxygen out of the room. There wasn't enough space for them and their pomp and circumstance. Jesus People were flocking to him. And in chapter 7, which we is the last chapter that we looked at, Jesus showed himself in three ways in that whole chapter as the friend of sinners. He showed himself that way by healing, you remember, the centurion uh, servant, and then raising... Uh, a mother's son from the dead, and then finally forgiving a sinful woman, uh, uh, excuse me, forgiving the sins of a sinful woman. Now, today, it's more the same. Chapter 8 starts with a continuance of giant crowds flocking to Jesus. And today, continues going from one town to and village to another. And, of course, he was what? Proclaiming, as our text said, the kingdom of God. He was saying, something new is here that you've not ever seen, and I'm the one that's bringing it if you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. But there were a lot in these great crowds 
that did not, as we will see. As we look at this message today, it demands a response from those who hear the message of Jesus. For those that hear the word of the Lord from his lips. His warning in verse 18, we haven't gotten there and we won't be getting there until next week, but it sort of is even a, a very short and encapsulated summary. In verse 18, it says, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Jesus is saying to these great crowds, mixed with all different types of motives and agendas. Some are wanting to know him and follow him. Others have all a kind of other reasons. But he is saying, be careful how you listen. So, here's our outline for today's text. The provision, the parable, and the purpose. The provision, something's going to be provided for Jesus that is very important and very enlightening. The parable, the story that Jesus tells and then explains it. And in that explanation, we really see the purpose, what Jesus is trying to make clear as he explains this to his own disciples. Because most of the rest of the people weren't getting it, and particularly those that were his, his enemies. So that's our outline for today. Let's dive in. Uh, the provision, and that's basically in verses 1 through 3 of our scripture reading. Um, I bet you didn't know that Jesus used travel agents. Did you? No, D didn't think you did, but he did. In order to get around all over Galilee and beyond, he needed the support of various providers. And it wasn't just gentlemen. The ladies were involved as well. Luke mentions specifically, and Luke does this long before women show up in other Gospels. Luke is keen. He's already told us and shown us a lot about Mary and Elizabeth. and He's, he's got a very keen interest. Luke mentions a number of women who took part in Jesus' work and ministry and helped specifically provide for him and his male companions, his disciples. Listen to verses 2 and 3 once again. And, so, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. So, these women 
were critical and crucial to the ministry of Jesus. Their ministry was not in every way like, obviously, others, and certainly not the inner circle of the twelve, and even to the even tighter circle of the three. But they were absolutely essential, and Jesus welcomed them coming along and needed them. Jesus was especially popular among women. Indeed, I think you could say there's perhaps never been a man whose personality and teaching was more attractive to women than Jesus of Nazareth. There's, there's nobody that, I mean, sometimes you get some people, one group, women might like another. No, almost all of these women that traveled with Jesus and around, they were his followers. And many of them had been brought out of desperate and dangerous circumstances, or they were in circumstances that if, the, if things fell the wrong way, their support could cost them, and yet they followed Jesus. Luke following in his master's footsteps. Jesus did it, so Luke said, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to highlight these women. And particularly, he highlighted three here in our text. Following his master's footsteps, he paid special attention to the women whose lives were transformed by Jesus. Every one of these had something either that had been transformed or, or forgiven, sins that were forgiven, diseases that were healed, or were in a position where they could be in trouble if somehow things went south as they supported Jesus. Listen to what Philip Ryken, um, a commentator, uh, a PCA commentator, um, uh, says here, I think this is very, very helpful. He said, is it any wonder that these women love Jesus? He satisfied their heart's desires with the gift of salvation. He had compassion on them in sickness and sorrow. He forgave their sins. And in response, they became some of his first and most devoted disciples. Indeed, Burgon notes that, quote, no woman is mentioned as speaking against our Lord in his life or having a share in his death. On the contrary, he was anointed by a woman for his burial. Women were the last at his grave and the first at his resurrection. To a woman, he first appeared when he arose again. Women ministered to his wants. Women bewailed and lamented him. A heathen woman interceded for his life with her husband, Pilate. And above all, of a woman, he was born. That's pretty cool stuff. You see, Luke thought it important for us to know that there were women near the inner circle of Jesus. No, they didn't all have the same privileges. They were not, in every case, together in all ways. 
There were, there were different reasons that Jesus had people at certain times with him at other times. But the point is, they were near the inner circle of Jesus. And although their service was different in nature, it was no less essential to the cause of Jesus' ministry. That's the important point. He also invited them to learn from his teaching. Those crowds, those massive crowds, there probably were a lot of men, but there were women and there were children there. Jesus wanted to do more for these women than simply forgive their sins. We've already heard he did, but he wanted to do more than that. He wanted to disciple their hearts and their minds with the word of God. Isn't that wonderful that we have a Savior that wants to do that? Wants to pull those sometimes that are being held back. And yet, what an opportunity. What a blessing these women were to Jesus and his ministry here on earth. Now, secondly comes the parable. That's in verses 4 and 8. Listen to verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering... And people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable. So, Luke says that at that point, Jesus gave them a parable. Now, that's not the first time we've heard that, right? Even in Luke's gospel, we've already run into two parables, and there were many that Jesus taught with and used. This is not the first time, but what is a parable? Now, many of you know, and probably the simplest uh, way you will often hear it, hear it uh, spoken of, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I mean, that's kind of, who doesn't hardly know that uh, if you've been a Christian for, for quite some time. Uh, but it basically, it's a story. It's a story, but it's a story with limited intent. It, it's not a story that just goes on and on and on and carries. There's, there's, there's a primary focus. And there are other things about a parable that are used by Jesus here. At one point in his teaching, Jesus told the crowds around him this particular parable that we call sometimes the parable of the soils, sometimes the parable of the sower, uh, and uh, or some, something like that. So, uh, but the parable of this, in this case, uh, my title, I think I gave it was uh, the teacher of parables, because there are many that Jesus taught. But this one, of course, is the most well-known and perhaps the most complex or so it appears to us uh, on our side of things. Now, this sowing process, uh, the, the, excuse me, the sower, the, the uh, particular, the parable or story is about a farmer who carried his seed in a heavy cloth. Uh, they literally would have had it draped over, and this heavy cloth would be here, 
and there might have been a stick that was holding out and holding up this other end so that you had a re- would be real easy to dip into your bucket or your uh, sling, or you could call it that, and then that sower would scoop his hand and then thresh or throw, scatter his seed, and he would go along and keep throwing the seed, and it would be going everywhere. It wouldn't be going down a straight little path and then, okay, now we're going to turn it here. No, just wherever he saw a place on it for his land to, that he could get the seed out to, that's what he was doing. He was sowing seed. And so after flinging it a handful at a time, the sowing process caused the farmer's seeds to fall on all kinds of terrain. Uh, Very, very uh, fertile, good, um, well-moist terrain. Also, places that were hard, packed, and places that were dry and had too much heat. His, his seed was being scattered everywhere. Wasn't very discriminate. Wasn't trying to say, now let's get the, let's get the, the uh, dry seed over here in this corner. And let, no, it, it just, just willy-nilly scattering the seed. Some of the seeds fell on places that could not sustain growth. Most of them did. But on others that fell on, quote, good ground, they thrived. And as soon as his story was told, Jesus cried out something. What was it? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, the saving or the saying suggests that a person can have these can have ears, but not listen. When Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's basically saying, all of you got ears, but all of you are not listening. In this massive crowd, it was that way then, it's that way still. Now, so... That's the story, the fairly simple story, but we still don't understand what Jesus is driving at, and the disciples sure didn't. We might think we know because we've read uh, Trench and a bunch of other uh, books and things about the parable of the sower. I mean, sometimes some of the stuff has just gone on and on and on and kind of ultimately loses the real point. Um, But what was the purpose? You see, when Jesus' disciples asked him, because they said, Master, we don't get this. Why did you tell us this story? I mean, we we know what the elements are, but what's what's the point? What's your purpose? Jesus when Jesus asked, uh, when, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he answered first by explaining why he had spoken it in the first place. Why did he use that convention? A parable, a storytelling, 
rather than straight up, okay, here's how this is going to go. This is what I want you to know. No, no metaphors, no word pictures, no things that you had to condense and get the, no. They were hoping that was how Jesus was going to communicate. But in this parable, it wasn't at all together clear what Jesus was driving for. And so, as they asked him that, he explained the parable. And you see, Jesus knew the truth. And the truth was, a lot of all of these great crowds that were out there that day and had been out there for days and days and weeks and months following him, they were all not out there with the same intent or the same purpose. There was all kind of agendas. There were all kinds of desires and aspirations of what people were expecting, various groups expecting Jesus to do, and the way they expected him to teach, and the way that, see, there were a lot of different expectations in that great crowd that day that Jesus was telling this story. Jesus knew the truth, and the truth was a lot of them weren't really interested in Jesus or his stories or what his stories were meant to reveal. See, those who were hungry for the truth, Jesus knew would understand because the Holy Spirit would help them understand. But while those were looking only, others were looking only for a way to trap Jesus, that was a lot of those religious leaders, that was their agenda. They were listening only in order to, mm -hmm, yeah, hey, did you get that? Let's, with this, we'll nail him with this one. To trap or ignore him. And they all that were like that were confused. This parable didn't make sense. It didn't reveal what they were looking for. They were head-scratching. Listen to Ralph Davis. Uh, and I think, I, I have always believed this for, for a long time, but I think the way he puts it here uh, really, really is clear. One thing is very clear here, folks. Jesus is almost, well, it's not almost, he is. He's making it pretty hard. He's, as he tells this, it's a parable, and people don't get it. They don't know what he's talking about. And Jesus seems to not be that concerned. He said some of them are not going to listen, and they're going to become harder. In other words, listen to what Ralph Davis says. He said, this idea seems to be 
that as Isaiah, long ago, Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, look it, look it up later. Isaiah brings the word of God. This is centuries ago. The prophet Isaiah was trying to tell again the wayward, disobedient people of God, the Jewish people that were getting ready to go into captivity because they were not obeying. They were not fulfilling their promise to take this, to scatter the seed to the ends of the earth. And they were going to be judged according to Isaiah. So it was a word of threat of judgment in Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And he brought the word in Isaiah's day, and it had a densifying effect. David says, it will have a densifying effect on its hearers. So they won't be able to get it. I suggest Jesus is saying that there is a Isaiah situation in Israel now. In other words, in that time, as Jesus was saying that parable, he was really doing an Isaiah type thing that was a mode or of judgment. And saying that in an Isaiah situation in Israel at that point, even recently, the text we've heard and seen Israel's unbelieving flip-floppiness and hard-hearted arrogance. Remember Simon? Parables then are at least in part an expression of judgment upon an unbelieving nation. The nation of Israel. That was supposed to be the light of the world. But for the most part, most of them were far from that. And they were being judged. And Jesus was sealing them into that. Not opening the door for those that did not receive him. So it's a form of judgment. That parable that is being spoken. They were designed, David says, to conceal, not reveal. That's hard. There is grace and mercy that comes from God. There is also judgment. And those who refused years over years, centuries, continued they became where they could not hear. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. Jesus was telling them that. But many of them would have none of it. Now, Jesus goes on, of course, to tell his disciples. Because they are the ones that are following him. That are trusting him. And so Jesus tells his disciples that the seed being scattered by the farmer is the word of God. Now, what we don't know for sure is what exactly does that mean? We, t- we pick up our Bibles and we say that's the word of God, okay? 
Well, at the time of, of Jesus, some of the various sects and different groups, some honored certain parts of the Old Testament and some others didn't. And so there, there was sometimes some lack of clarity, or at least, uh, not, not that Jesus had any lack of clarity on that, but I'm saying other groups, well, we only do these uh, uh, scriptures. And, well, no, we over here, we only use this. So it was not clear, but it, if you think of it this way, more like a, a, the content of God's message, the gospel that, that Jesus is bringing, the good news of the kingdom, the message from God, that's the word of God. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God's message about a savior. And so some scholars, scholars have even suggested that this Jesus might simply be referring to himself. Basically, the word of God, I, that's me, guys. I am the word of God. And he is. Um, but whether he, he, we're not sure how that was being used, but it is true. He is the word of God. So Jesus, simply put, is the real sower. He's the sower. And, uh, and so it's important here to remember, and this is very, very important, that parables are limited animals. They can't carry a whole lot of water, a lot of freight. Uh, parables have are, are not meant to be interpreted line by line. And yet you got books full of long pages after pages and line by line trying to explain a parable. Probably totally losing the whole real point if they're not careful. Parables are not meant to be interpreted line by line. Parables have one major point that they make in a symbolic story. Now, you, could, you, could, it, could somebody say, well, it's possible that maybe this, this one, you know, could have, have a, almost another small point. Um, maybe. But, but in the main, you need to think this is one major primary focus thrust. Even though it's longer and it's got all these moving parts, it's really got one single purpose. You see, so the Lord explains the symbols to his followers. The seed is the word of God, verse 11, we've already mentioned that. And by implication, guess what? Jesus, first and foremost, is that. And by implication, are other preachers who are sowers. So whoever's doing the sowing, scattering the good seed of the gospel, whoever's doing that, that's the sower. And that's Jesus and those that serve him. And that can be missionaries, that can be pastors, that can be laymen that are spreading the good news telling the good news, sharing the good news with others. Then Jesus explains that there are three different ways to hear 
the word that is sown. But he, he doesn't go uh, basically off and, and say, uh, and it's not expected to, to, to be independent, each one of these things, and do, go writing chapters about that. Uh, well, I'm this kind of hearer, I'm kind of that kind of hearer. That misses the point altogether. Jesus explains that there are three different ways to hear the word sown. Defense, uh, defenseless hearing, verse 12. Shallow hearing, verse 13. And distracted hearing, verse 14. Distraction, shallow, and defenseless. In other words, gets picked off by enemy fire and, and the devil in the particular is how in the parable that's spoken. These three soils, the three soils remind us of the Christian, the three uh, Christians, uh, three enemies. What are they? The world, the flesh, and the devil. But all that I just said is really what? One thing. There are those who for whatever these reasons, and the, he gives three possible ways, but they all end up failing. They all are on the wrong side of the ledger. They are, have not believed unto life. They are lost. They're hardened. They do not see. They cannot hear. They're distracted. They're shallow. They're defenseless. And they're easy pickings for the enemy of God's people. They oppose God's word. Every one of those opposes God's word. As, as I said, um, I was involved in, in uh, uh, my early years and, and uh, the parable of sower was a, was a very common uh, um, thing to, to read and uh, talk about and do, do studies on and whatever. And like I say, there was just some pretty fanciful stuff that went, went around. Um, and you even had some people that would sometimes say in our in our in that group uh, that I was involved with in Campus Crusade, uh, a lot of people would go around and say, "Well, you know, I kind of think I'm sometimes a, a thorny ground he a hearer," and uh, "Well, no, I'm, I think I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a stony ground hearer." That that's crazy. That's that's nuts. That's not that's not all of those kinds are all saying one thing. They're lost. They oppose the kingdom of God. Jesus came declaring the kingdom of God. And in his midst, in those crowds, there are vast numbers that love him and want to be with him and serve him and will follow him. And there are others that are going to turn their back and spit on him in no time. It's coming. We'll see it in our text. They are going to want to kill him. They're going to run from this guy's crazy. They don't want any part. Jesus is saying there's a great divide. And every one of you need to listen and hear because you're either here or you're there. You're either with me or without me. The good soil represents people who receive the word with open, teachable hearts and practice what they hear. 
And as a result, by the grace of God and with the help of his Holy Spirit, they bear fruit. Remember, Jesus would tell other stories, fruit that would bear multiple fruit for God and for the advancement of his kingdom. The four kind of soils, the good and the other three bad, the four kind of soils that Jesus spoke and explained to his disciples were represented in the listeners whenever Jesus taught. In other words, they were there. There was representation. Every time Jesus taught the, the word of God, every time he proclaimed the gospel, every time he taught the good news, there were always, always four groups out there. That triumvirate of we don't believe, we can't believe, and the good seed. There were always four. The four kind of soils were represented in the listeners whenever Jesus taught. And it's still happening today, wherever the gospel is being taught and proclaimed. There's always a divide when the gospel is being proclaimed. And either we are trusting in Christ and trusting in the good news that he has brought us and provided for us, or it's those that in various ways are going to find some kind of excuse to not follow after the Savior. Listen to Max Licato's uh, here at, at the end. If the ratio in the story is significant. Three-fourths of the world isn't listening to God's voice. Now, that, you know, you, you can, you, how, how do you, you can't really exact ratio, but he's just saying there's a lot of people that aren't listening to the gospel, that aren't receiving the gospel, that aren't listening. Whether the cause be hard hearts, shallow lives, or anxious minds, 75% of us are missing the message. What about you? Are you missing it? Have you missed it? Or are you with Jesus? Are you good soil? Not because you did it or made it, but because his grace found you. And changed you and saved you. I pray that that is the case. He asked me to remind you. Amen. Father, thank you for, again, your word. And Father, thank you for its clarity. We often get confused. But Father, it's, that's just our weakness. Lord, thank you that you did not leave us to our own ways and defenses. 
but you sent your son to declare the good news of the kingdom. And Father, will you help us bear good fruit and Lord, be a part of the good soil. Make us good soil that grows more and more and bears fruit for you and for your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.